May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. I want to welcome you to church today as we continue with our message series of It's Not About Me. You know, and in planning for this series, I'll be honest with you, I was a little concerned that, you know, after three weeks of, you know, it's not about me, it's not about me, that um, honestly, we might all feel a little bit beat up, <laughs> and that we, it, the whole thing might have kind of a negative effect on our church, but that's not what's happened. In fact, the response to the Lord uh, throughout this message series has been so incredibly positive and more overwhelming than we've had in um, any messages we've preached in a really, really long time. For instance, um, the first two weeks of this series, we talked about the importance of volunteering in church and how that honors God. Well, we've had more than 300 people stand up and say, I'll do it. Man, I'll do it. More than 300. And get this, that's not people saying, hey, I'm interested. That's people saying, hey, I am I'm beyond interested, I'm going to do it, and these people are, are already plugged in and assigned to a volunteer team. So that said, if you haven't responded to any of our emails yet, do it today. Don't miss out on this wave of what God is doing here at the park. And that doesn't even include the number of people that are uh, plugged in to volunteer at the North Campus. And that campus has nearly 100% of that launch team already plugged in and assigned to volunteer team, ready to go. I mean, that's unbelievable. It really is. You know, and then last week when we talked about how God wants us to join a small group because God wants to use small group to change our lives. Did you know that in one day, we set a new record for signups. In one day last week, we had over 1,500 people sign up for a small group. I know, that's nuts. And now, a lot of it, now there, there was a good portion of those that were, that kids and youth that were already signed up from the previous semester. So, like, I get that. But we still had more than 40% of all possible adults sign up for a small group literally in just one day. And we've had a slew of signups that have come in online. And I, you know, I don't have the most current number on that at present. But here's what I'm getting at. When the Lord looks down on this group of people, he smiles. He smiles. Because he sees a group of people that are responsive to him. So when he says, you know what? I need some people to step up and serve. We stepped up. When he says, I want you to sign up for a small group because I'm going to use that to change your life. We sign up. I mean, we have responded to him. And I'm telling you, when I was praying about this message today, I really, really sensed from the Holy Spirit that our Heavenly Father is very proud of us because when he looks down, he sees the people that have not rebelled against the call of it's not about me, but he sees a group of people that have embraced it. That, when, that we've said, Lord, you're right. It's not about me. It's all about you. And so whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. And I think God is very proud of us. And I'll be honest with you, I'm proud to go to church with a group of people that are that responsive to God's call and um, God's prompting on their life and are willing to adjust their lives to 
do what he's asking us to do. So I'm really proud to be a part of this church, and I'm proud of you, and man, I'm telling you, I'm excited. But yet, there's another part of this idea of it's not about me that God wants us to be aware of, and that is the idea of considering other people. And look, it, 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 it's not considering other people just for the sake of being nice. It's considering other people because that allows me to have an open door where I can tell them about Jesus. For instance, I remember one time Amy and I, we had a little mini vacation scheduled that we had to cancel kind of at the last minute. And so we called and, the, and we asked the airline person, because we paid for the airline tickets with our frequent flyer miles. So we called the airline person and we said, hey, can you just you know, put those miles back into our account, that would be the most simplest thing to do. And of course she said, well, no, we can't do that. That would be way too easy. So, but what we can do is we can, you know, hold those miles in escrow and then you have a year from your flight to use them for another flight. So we're like, okay, fine. So this past year when we called to, you know, book another flight, the booking agent said, oh, no, 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 no. You don't have a year from your original flight you have a year from when you canceled to use those miles. And so you've got to complete your trip sometime in the next three weeks. I mean, we're like, are you kidding me? I mean, do you, we, we cannot possibly rearrange our lives that dramatically. I mean, we've got little kids that we'd have to make sure get taken care of. I mean, I'm a little busy on Sundays. So I don't have my weekends free, you know, like you do. So anyway, and <laughs> I'm sorry, was that kind of a not about me attitude? I'm not sure about that. So anyway, I know, it was getting bad. And so anyway, so, uh, so she said, I'm sorry, you know, I really can't help you. There's nothing I can do. My hands are tied. But let me give you the number for the customer service line. And I know, I thought, oh, fabulous. That's exactly what I want, the customer service line. And I don't know about you, but every time I call customer service, it doesn't ever seem like customer service, right? It seems like it's the, you know, customer get over it type line. And so anyway, so I'm, I'm rehearsing, I'm getting my game face on, you know, for this call and I'm like rehearsing my little speech that I'm going to say and like how I'm going to give it. And then Amy looks over at me and she says, now just remember, if that person ever walked through the door and found out that you were a pastor, what would they think? <laughs> I thought, really? Oh, and so, like, now i got to change what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. Because I knew that if that person walked through the door and found out that, like, I was the pastor, they'd be like, well, if he's the pastor, then I don't want to have anything to do with that church or with God. I'm telling you. Now, so thankfully, I was very nice on the phone when I talked to this lady and she was very nice back. And, I, and God blessed our conversation. She decided that the best thing to do would just be to put those miles back into our account as if nothing ever happened. And so that went well. And honestly, I believe that God blessed our conversation that day. And he let it go well because, you know, I listened to what he was trying to tell me, you know, through my wife. <laughs> which happens a lot. So guys, that's just part of the deal, okay? And I was considerate of, another, of an, considerate of another person. Because the truth is, I represent Jesus everywhere I go. 
And you know what? We all do. We all represent Jesus everywhere we go. And if we aren't considerate of other people and our interactions with them, then we, inter, we, we inadvertently ruin the message of Christ before someone even has a chance to hear it. Because if we treat people badly, if we're rude and we're self-serving and we're self-absorbed and we're condescending, and, you know, we're mean-spirited, and they find out that we're Christ followers, then there's a really, really good chance that they might say, well, if that's what a Christ follower is like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And that's what Jesus was telling his disciples when he told them this first verse. So go ahead and pull out your message notes and look at it. It's this first verse in John 13, 34, and 35. He says this. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. See, how we treat each other and how we treat others either opens the door for us to tell them about Christ, or it slams the door for us to tell them about Christ. So what I'm saying here is that there's a lot more at stake than frequent flyer miles. What really is at stake here is possibly someone else's eternity because it affects their openness to hear about Jesus. Which is why I'm so glad that God gives us our verse for today. And that's why this verse is so critical. Because this verse tells us what it means to embrace it's not about me. And it tells us how to treat other people. So, how can I be more considerate of others so they're open to hearing about Christ? Well, here's your first feeling. Number one is this. Stop looking out for number one. Stop looking out for number one. Just stop. The verse is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let me read the first part of this verse. It says this. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Once you circle selfish ambition. Or vain conceit. Circle vain conceit. Okay? Now here, Paul tells us that there's two motives that we need to double check to make sure that are not present whenever we do something or we interact with someone. You know, the first is we need to make sure there's no selfish ambition. See, look, I mean, it's not wrong to be ambitious or, you know, to want to get ahead or to, you know, want to help advance something forward. The problem comes when it turns into promoting ourselves, especially at the expense of other people. Because, you know, at that point, it's all about you. Now, the second thing that he tells us, the second motive he, is closely related, and he tells us to watch out for vain conceit. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, you're thinking, well, that's great, Pastor Mike, because now I know that for sure you're not talking about me because I'm not vain. I'm not conceited. People just like me. Okay, well, that's not vain or conceited now, is it? Right? All right, so let's talk about this just for a second, okay? Because honestly... I mean, the truth is, none of us in this room, nobody really considers themselves vain or conceited. But unfortunately, in how we interact with other people, sometimes that selfish ambition or that vain conceit, it can just rear its ugly head. You know, for instance, when you're at work, 
Are you easily impatient with other people because they don't perform at the same level that you perform at? Do you try to push your ideas and your agendas without really listening to any other feedback? When your boss or your manager, when they make a decision that you think is really stupid, do you talk about that with your coworkers and tell them how stupid you think it is and that if you were in charge, you would never do anything that dumb because you're so much better than that? When you're listening to another person, are you really listening to them or are you really just thinking about what you're going to say next and just waiting for them to finish? See, all of that is looking out for number one. And I'm telling you, we got to stop looking out for number one, start treating other people like they're number one, so that we can point them to the person who really is number one. That's what it's all about. That's why selfish ambition and vain conceit are so destructive, because it makes the message of Christ so incredibly unattractive. Because if people can't see the love of Jesus in you, because of the sheer amount of love that you have for you, that's when something has to change. Because remember, it's not about you, right? Okay, now there's a second thing we need to do. And number two is this. I need to treat all people like they matter. Because they do. I need to treat all people like they matter. Because they do. Let's read Philippians 2, 3 again. But let, and let's read the whole verse this time. It says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, now there's our word from last week, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Underline that last part. Consider others better than yourselves. See, now here's the difficulty of this verse. We rarely consider other people better than ourselves. Now, I mean, we think there's some nice qualities about other people. But I mean, we don't really think they're better than we are. But yet, that's the Bible standard. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, it's not about me, I mean, this is the pinnacle. Now, it doesn't mean that you've got to fake like someone, you know, is a better athlete than you or is more intelligent than you when, you know, perhaps they really aren't. But it doesn't mean that, um, it doesn't mean that just because you might be a better athlete or more intelligent doesn't make you a better person, right? I mean, you might be better at your job, but that doesn't make you better than someone else. You might be better off, but that doesn't make you better. You see, you got to remember that other people matter because they matter to God. I mean, I, I know that you agree with that in principle, but the truth is sometimes it's harder to flesh out in practice. So let me give you a couple of practicals that can help us consider other people better than themselves. And here's your first one. This is your first bullet point. That, honestly, I need to serve people that can't repay me. I need to serve people that can't repay me. If you want to take selfish ambition and vain conceit 
completely out of the equation, then serve people that can't pay you back. I remember when I first moved here, um, straight out of seminary, when I moved here, I didn't know anybody. I mean, nobody. And I was a youth pastor, and there were three families in our church that befriended me and just took me in. I, I mean, I constantly, you know, ate dinner over at their house. I played basketball with them in the driveway. You know, they helped me work on my car. I mean, there were just tons and tons of things. And I really needed that. Because I'll be honest with you, I was really, really, really lonely during those years. I'll be honest with you, I could never repay those families back for what they did for me. I couldn't possibly hope to repay them for their incredible acts of kindness and how they cared about me. Because to them, I mattered. They treated me like I mattered, and I could never repay them for it. So what about you? What have you done recently for someone that they could not possibly repay you for, and you did it just because they mattered? I'm telling you, when you serve someone that cannot repay you, not only do you feel great about yourself, but the truth is you honor God with your life. Because when you show genuine love and concern for another people, for other people, you keep selfish ambition and vain conceit at bay, while at the same time honoring God with your life because other people matter. Because they matter to him. And so they should matter to you. So, what are you doing to serve someone that cannot repay you? Now, I do think that volunteering at church is a great way to do that. Because people cannot repay you for what you do here at church to help serve them and their family. And this is a great place to start doing that. And you should be volunteering at church. But I'll tell you this, this is not the only way to, pay to serve someone to where they can't pay you back. There's tons of other ways. You know, for instance... Um, you could serve people by visiting them in the hospital. They can't pay you back for that. You could have some people over to your house for dinner, and when you do, man, break out the nice dishes. You know, serve them a really good meal. Don't just go to the pantry and get the stuff that's almost out of date. You know, don't do that. Do something to really serve them. Pick someone in your small group and really pray for them, and then don't tell them you're doing it. Just pray for them that God would rain out his blessings on them throughout the entire semester. If you find out someone's got a need, go meet that need anonymously. If you have a new neighbor moving in down the street, go down there one day and just say, I'm here to help you unpack boxes for the next two hours. Go do that. Go find a place here in town that, and serve food to impoverish people. There's numerous ways to do that. It wouldn't take you very long to find a place at all to do that. Because look, if you can find a way to serve people that cannot possibly repay you, then you honor God and you feel great about yourself. And you're doing it not to be nice, but you're doing it because other people matter. They genuinely matter. Here's the second thing you can do. Second bullet point is this. 
remember that I don't know what's going on in someone's life. You've got to remember, I don't know what's going on in someone's life. I remember one time I was walking through the foyer here at our church, and you know, one of our volunteers was, I, this guy was ticked off because he didn't have the supplies he needed to you know, do the task that he had volunteered for, you know, and I was the first person that he saw. And so he just, he, I mean, he walked out, and he was all in the huff, and you know, he just gave me the what's of like, hey, if I come here and I volunteer my time and I'm going to make my time to be up here, then I should at least have all the supplies I need to do what I'm supposed to do. And rah, 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 you know, just, I was like, oh, okay, 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 okay. And I just listened. And uh, after that whole encounter was over, one of our other staff members came up to me, and they, because they saw what happened, and they said, hey, Mike, you might not be aware of this, but on Friday, his son was diagnosed with leukemia, and he's had a really, really rough weekend. I said, you know, that explains a lot. You see, sometimes you don't always know what's going on in someone's life. I mean, look, I've been a pastor for a while, and I've worked with tons of volunteers, and I'll be honest with you, I've offended a whole bunch of people along the way. Um, and I, I hate that, and I, I never, ever intended to do that. A lot of it's just immaturity, really. Um, and so I've learned a lot through all that. And one of the things that I've learned is that you don't always know what's going on in someone else's life. And that if they get mad or they become angry and they're rude or they're ugly or they're mean-spirited, you know, way beyond what the situation would warrant, then most of the time, there's something going on in their life that you just don't know about. Here's what I'm saying. If someone treats you ugly or mean or just downright rude, respond back to them with kindness because you never know what's going on. Look, and just because you don't know doesn't give you license to be rude back, right? Because if you did know, you would give them grace. So just because you don't know, why wouldn't you give them grace anyway, right? See, that's what you do when you genuinely consider someone else better than yourself. That's what you do when you genuinely, genuinely believe it's not about me. Here's one last thing. That's one key reason why, honestly, you should join a small group. See, your small group is a place where you can share your burdens in a very safe place. It's where people will listen to you. They'll pray for you. They'll help you. They'll check in on you. And, and honestly, if you're not in a small group, how's that going to happen? How's that going to happen? I'm telling you, because other people might not always know what's going on in your life. You need to have a place where you can share your burdens and tell them. And the best place to do that, the safest place to do that, the most supportive place to do that is in your small group. Because look, you don't have to go through life alone. You don't get any medals for bearing all the burdens in life all by yourself. You just end up being alone. So why do that? Be a part of a small group. And because not being a part of a small group and just taking it all on yourself, that's how someone who says, you know, it's all about me, that's how they think. 
And that's not what God says we're supposed to do. Someone who considers others better than themselves, asks for help, and get this, gives other people a chance to help them. Don't cheat other people out of the opportunity to step in and help you. Because you, you know how good it feels for you to step in and help someone else. So don't cheat other people out of that opportunity either. Because remember, it's not about you, and it never has been. And I think about those three families that, you know, helped me when I first moved here. I mean, in effect, they were my small group. I mean, you know, they treated me like I mattered. I could never hope to repay them for what they did. And they modeled for me how to consider other people better than myself. And, you know, through it all, all of us grew closer to Christ. And that's my prayer for you, is that through all of this, God would use it to help you grow closer to him. So here's what I want everybody to do. Take your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. On the card and on the notes, I want you to check the next step or steps that you're willing to take today. Hopefully it's this first one. Sign me up for a small group. And there's a blank for a code there. You take the blue code that's in your small group catalog for the group you want to sign up for and write it there, okay? Now look, here's the deal. Most people think that you can just sign up for a small group anytime that you want to. That is not true. There are only three windows of opportunity a year that you can sign up for a small group. This is one of those windows. Small group starts in two weeks. And now for those of you that are new, a small group is just a gathering of, you know, 10 to 16 people, usually in someone's home, usually share a meal or some light hors d'oeuvres, and then you get together and you dialogue and study the Bible together. And, that's how, and through all that, you get to make friends and you get to pray for each other and help one another, and that's how you really dig down deep into some of this stuff. It's a great, great experience. So if you've never signed up for a small group, sign up. If you have before, then make sure you get signed up for this semester. Next one, sign my kids and teenagers up for a small group. Now, you need to put your kid's name as well as the code next to the, of the small group that you're going to write there, that there, you want them to attend. You've got to write that in those lines. And make sure all your information on the front is legible as well. So please print. It helps our folks that enter all this data be able to get it, get it all right. All right, next one. I will treat other people, especially those in customer service, in such a way that if they found out I was a Christ follower, they would be more open to Christ. Would you do that? Next, I will stop looking out for number one and treat others as if they are number one so that I can point them to the real number one. Would you do that? Next, I will serve people that can't repay me. Would you make a commitment to find a way to do that? It'll be awesome. Next, I commit to respond kindly when others are rude because there might be something going on that I don't know about. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that there is. How about this next one? I will memorize Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Man, that is a mouthful and rich in meaning. It's a great verse to memorize. Or maybe it's this last one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. You know, at the bottom of your message notes, there's 
a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower. If you've never prayed that prayer, and you'd like to do it today, because, you know, maybe, maybe someone has offended you way back in your past, and you came to church today to maybe give God a second chance. You know, I'm sorry for what that other person did. And I'm sorry that that slammed the door of your heart. But I'm telling you, God loves you. And he wants you to have a relationship with him. And that starts by asking Jesus Christ to forgive you for everything you've ever done and then pledge your life to following him. If you've never done that before, then I want you to pray that prayer. In fact, I want everybody to take a few moments right now and we're going to do business. I want to give you a chance to do business with God. And if you're ready to pray that prayer, this is your time to pray that prayer. So I want everybody right now, I want everybody to bow your head and whatever next step you've taken, pray and ask God to use it and help you follow through with it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.